We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Saturday for a Q&A. Our last Q&A before football is officially back, at least Chargers football, that is uh, training camp, of course, starting on Wednesday. So excited to be here, excited to talk football with my guys, Tyler and Alex. Tyler, uh, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today? I'm very excited. We are so close. I know we have an episode tomorrow, so I'll say the same thing, but gosh, we are so close <laughs> To training camp i loved the content we did over the summer but it's time i'm so excited it's a great year i'm a season ticket holder herbert's the quarterback i'm i'm ready to go yeah you know i've been uh i've been scheduling some interviews over the last week or so uh you know watching some film and instead of like talking about you know my my, my mindset has just kind of like naturally shifted to instead of like oh shit like you know kaiser why uh linval joseph you know it's like okay this is what this defense could look like with for Derwin James. This is what it could look like for Joey Bosa this year. So uh, just kind of a natural shift already looking forward to the upcoming season and uh, excited for all of that stuff. So uh, Alex is here as well, man. Alex, how are you doing? Doing good. I, I have to recondition my brain too because uh, I remember when we did our uh, draft of the Telesco era, I just completely forgot some of the new guys were on the team, <laughs> which led yeah. to some poor draft picks. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely getting back into the swing of things and, I have to remember Gerald Everett is a charger. Yeah. I, I think you still won that poll, by the way. So No, I uh, lost the poll. To, uh, wait, did I win the poll? I don't there was a poll I lost that we did. I 
Oh no, See, you won the wide receiver poll because you put Keenan Allen in your top 10. And then <laughs> me and Tyler got blown out by like 70 points. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think Tyler might have won because he had Herbert. So Yeah, well, I had Tyrod. So every, the, all the comments were like, well, Alex's team would have won if he just got a top two pick. And I'm like, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, if he could have you know, gotten a real quarterback, you know, it is what it is. Um, Shun family starting the show off hot today. Shout out to uh, Mama Shun already in the in the chat with a super sticker. Um, so, like I said, we're here for your Q and A. If you have a question that you've been dying to ask us ahead of training camp, uh, please be sure and do that. If you feel inclined to use the super chat feature, we do really appreciate that. So, Arjun's in the chat already. What's up, Arjun? Hope you're doing well. Uh, hope your summer. Uh, has been fun for you. My guy was in uh, Europe traveling and, and watching some tennis and cricket. So, man, went know, to Wimbledon. I'm jealous. I'm salty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he he's talking about the Derwin James extension. Of course, we got some quote unquote news from Jeremy Fowler that the Chargers are optimistic that the deal will get done. Um, so, Tyler, where are you at in terms of what do you think is kind of the expectation for the numbers for Derwin's extension? Uh, eighteen point nine million dollars a year. I think. I think if we're doing like rounding, it's it's four years, seventy six, five years, ninety five. I think just and then just a tick below that, I suppose, if you're trying to be more accurate. But we basically know the floor is eighteen point seven five. The ceiling is going to be nineteen. I think somewhere right in the middle. Yeah, I agree. Um, I guess the big question is whether it's a four five year deal. Um, sure. But I think the framework will be a four. I don't think it really matters anyway because I think Derwin's going to be guaranteed probably 40. So, I mean, it probably is like a four-year deal that's really like a two or three based on like the average annual value and how much will be paid out uh, in those first two years. So, uh, I would guess four years, 75, kind of like Tyler's saying, and then probably we'll say 40 million guaranteed. That puts him right above the uh, Mika Fitzpatrick contract and that's what I think is going to happen. And I don't think there will be anything that really prevents it from happening. Uh, it's just a matter of when now and training camp starts. Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? Uh, veterans report to mo- on Monday, I think oh, on Monday practice yeah. starts. The first practice is Wednesday. So I think it probably gets done that week. Um, I think Joey Bosa got done like the 28th or something like that. Um, of July. So we're looking for a timeline. I guess that's kind of the timeline. Yeah. So Joey got his extension done. Um, the the day that they reported you know he had to report mm-hmm. they, all, they all had to report that year for the covid testing mm-hmm. and as soon as joey reported joey you know took his test and then basically went upstairs and and signed his contract so i i assume a deal is done and agreed upon it just hasn't yeah. necessarily been signed right now the the guaranteed money for me is kind of the most interesting aspect of this because Mm-hmm. You know, Mike Williams got a big chunk of guaranteed money, and um, I think so did Sebastian Joseph Day. And, you mm-hmm. know, so they, the Chargers threw a lot of guaranteed cash around for, you know, a team that's, you know, quote unquote, cash low, according to, you know, several other sources that we've seen. So that was an interesting trend for me. And I think Derwin was going to be the ultimate um, X factor in that regard, if you will. So if they give Derwin, you know, a $76 million contract, and it's $50 million guaranteed or higher, then I think we know that this they're willing to just straight up spend a ton of cash in order to build this team around. 
as opposed to guaranteeing 35, 40, which I feel like 35 would definitely be like a low bar. So kind of like Alex, I think 40 is kind of the minimum there. But I'm just kind of curious if that guaranteed money output is going to continue for Derwin. Obviously, there's the injury factor there, too. So that, to me, is like the most interesting aspect of the contract. Yeah, I'll have to look at what Brad Spielberger's update for his contract projection was. But, I mean, Arjun and Brad are pretty dead on with contracts, and they had him about like 49% guaranteed. So I'd expect something like that. That obviously can change with the APY, with the number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. I mean, they're obviously committed to him. It's a contract they want to be in. They want to have him for, for many years. But, yeah, I'm thinking half his contract will be guaranteed. I believe so, Brad's most recent projection for was four years, 75 and 40 guaranteed. So, okay. 40% guaranteed or 40 million guaranteed? 40 million. Okay. Of 75 or 76. Yes. Okay. So yeah, about half. Yeah. I guess, uh, you know, they, they, they did five years for JC Jackson. So maybe that kind of lines up too, but yeah, I'm mostly curious about that guaranteed aspect of things. So uh, a couple of good questions in the chat. I know Alex has been dying, however, to, uh, you know, talk about the Madden rankings and, and where everybody kind of <laughs> stacked up in that regard. So, um, Alex, I'll give you the floor here. Where where would you like to start on the Madden list? Um, well, so, OK, at first people were mad about the Madden ratings and it's like, well, they're biased against first and second year players like that happens all the time and then they'll still Mm -hmm. have like some vet who's clearly past his prime like really high on the list so that i didn't care as much about i saw the quarterback throw power list however and i just i just (laughs) don't know like what they're doing so i I started the list and it's like okay here's Mahomes, here's herbert here's allen it's like okay that's fine and then fourth was zach wilson which is like (laughs) what and then they have uh what was it baker and like three guys who are still ahead of Rodgers, including Malik Willis, who yeah. has not played a snap in the NFL. It's like you just like, Sam Howell was tenth, dude. Sam Howell, Sam Howell tenth over Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, who both <laughs> have cannons for arms and were literally drafted by the MLB. I'm yeah. just like, what are we? I I don't know. Um, that list just feels so wrong and i just wonder whether they actually watch football or not because if you have a top four that is anything other than mahomes herbert allen and rogers in some order and you could figure out the rest but sam howell in the top 10 baker mayfield two points below justin herbert after a year where (laughs) he's coming off of a crippled surgery season and he's ahead of aaron Rodgers, probably the greatest thrower of the football we've seen i just don't know what they're doing yeah, I'm just like, how do you like, what are you basing throw power off of? Because like we we have literal data of like who throws the football <laughs> the fastest. Yeah, and like there's just no way that anybody convinced me that big that Baker Mayfield throws a football faster than Aaron Rodgers. And we also have a lot of data to check like who can throw it the furthest. Mm-hmm. And again, there's just no feasible way to say that Baker Mayfield can throw a football longer than Aaron Rodgers. Like, so I don't like I don't know it, like. Are you just giving your opinions? Is is the Madden Raider just this is just his opinions or or what? Like, are we using data? And so that that was that was definitely strange. I think, of course, the offensive line issues are something that I will always you know be have an issue with. And you know, Rashawn Slater being I think like tackle fourteen or something like that. He wasn't even in the top ten, and he, his pass blocking rating was like an eighty two or something like that. It's like what? 
what are we doing? Like, I get if you want to kind of see them prove it, I guess, before you slap higher ratings on them. But my man was a second team all pro and he was a pro bowler as a rookie. Like, yeah, I feel well, like that should give him better than an 82 pass blocking rating. And did they make his run blocking grade 93 or something? Yeah, like I was that? like, I, I was like, that is completely backwards of who the player is. Rashawn is a fantastic run blocker, but mm-hmm. what he does as a pass blocker is just, you know, it's in a different planet for offensive linemen at this point. Yeah. I, I'm not really particular about some of these. Um, obviously, Morgan Fox being ahead of Jerry Tillery, I thought was funny. Um, I guess that makes sense, I suppose. Uh, Josh Palmer. Yeah. Yeah. Sawyer uh, Pickens is funny. Ooh, did they have him listed as a guard? Or a tackle? I don't uh, know, actually. Oh, no, he's a guard. Sure. Okay. I wasn't sure. sure if he, okay. Um, Joe Reed, only one point behind Josh Palmer, is interesting. Um, <laughs> hey, Joe Reed is looking jacked, though. Did you see that picture? He maybe got the strength rating up. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like Fajoko is getting his strength rating up as well. Um, he petitioned and go. they responded. They're going to review it. I don't know how every player is not asking for a review. Um, yeah, Rashawn Slater 84, eh. Kyle Van Noy being like the 13th best player on the team over like a Matt Filer is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, the edge rankings were weird too because it's like they put Chandler Jones like five spots ahead of Max Crosby and he's like 14th on the list. Like, yeah. I just didn't understand that at all. Um, and of course, Jamar Chase being the 20th best receiver in the NFL is, is certainly a take. Yeah, the edge rankings again. Like, there's we have data of who's good and who's not here. Like, you, I'm pretty sure the Madden guys have access to PFF and can look at pass rush win rate and total pressures and things like that. So Crosby being 14th was was crazy. I mean, I, I would love to sit here and say he Max Crosby 14th? isn't that good. Yeah, yeah, man. He was he was behind Chandler Jones by quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, which should be totally flipped. I mean, I don't I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. So, People like when the edge rankings came out, the first thing that people were talking about were like, "Is oh T.J. Watt's being disrespected?" It's like, "Hello, Max Crosby is 14th." <laughs> so that was an interesting choice for sure. Are you not able to get a higher rating? Like, there's no possible way you can get to a 99 if you're a player who just like literally does not have the athletic ceiling. Like, is Max Crosby just not much of an athlete or something? I I think they just view it in the same way that we sort of talked about, like, rookies and sophomores, where it's like, well, we've seen one good year for Max Crosby, so we want to see it again, right? Like, I feel like that's how they operate. But it's also like when you've seen players, whether they're rookies or sophomores, or in, like, a Max Crosby situation, be so dominant, like, it shouldn't be a question. Like, they should just be higher. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Like, if we're talking about pure physical talent, like, and that's part of what the ratings are for certain players, it's like, how you look at Justin Herbert and not give him, like, a 95? (laughs) I have no idea. I haven't played Madden in years, and these ratings still, like, get me all worked up. And, and like, like, I'm not buying the game. I do not have an Xbox or PlayStation or anything in my house. So, but still, it just, like, bugs me. I did see Daniel Jones on the quarterback speed list, um, and it just reminded me of that play, play where he ran as fast as Lamar Jackson and then fell directly on his face. Oh, that's why you sent the. That's why you yeah, sent the play. I was like, what, what he was he was up? he was ahead of Jalen Hurts on the speed list, and it just reminded me of that play where he hit like 21 miles per hour and then. 
Uh, so he's really fast. Yeah, the sniper got him. The sniper got him. <laughs> I suppose if you put me on a treadmill that was running at Lamar Jackson's speed and I had to step on it and go, I would fall on my face too. So <laughs> Daniel Jones is just one of us. Yeah, he is. He is. All right, we'll get into some of these questions. There were a few interesting ones that I wanted to mm-hmm. uh, point out. Um, Uh, Sweet Jumps asked, who is Carlo Kemp any good? One of you responded, who is Carlo Kemp? Um, <laughs> so he actually did train with um, shoot with uh, Coach Ed, the defensive line coach that I interviewed, who's trained a, a bunch of the Chargers players. So I did uh, get some information there. Uh, he did play outside linebacker in the USFL. I guess it was more of like a 4-3 front, so it was more defensive end. Um, the Chargers did announce him as an outside linebacker, but Ed seems to think that in this kind of scheme, he would be more of like a Morgan Fox kind of player as opposed mm-hmm. to like a, an MK Egbele practice squad outside linebacker player. Gotcha. So, um, you know, he is he was listed on the Pittsburgh Mahler side at 286, which is, uh, you know, a, a little bit bigger than most of the Chargers other outside linebackers are outside of Joey Bosa. I mean, mm-hmm. you're looking at Uchenna and Wozu was like kind of 250. Kilo Mack is around 250, 260. Kyle Van Noy, 240, 250. So 283 is is more in line with like a Morgan Fox, Jerry Tillery kind of player. And he and he's not super lengthy. You know, he's, he's a bit more stout and compact. So um, I know he was listed as an outside linebacker, but I kind of think he's going to be an inside rusher for them. Again, more of a project as opposed to like a legitimate depth piece that's going to make the roster. He could, he certainly could make an impact, but um haven't watched any Carlo Kemp film, but that's, that was the insight I got from uh, his off season training coach. Unbelievable. I can't believe you had a good answer to that question. I have no <laughs> idea who this was really good job, Steven. Thank you. Thank you. Those, uh, those connections that the chargers have been uh, building up with Ed have been uh, paying off. So, um, K Rich asked a question a, about JC Jackson. Um, and you know, we kind of went over this when the Chargers signed him, of course. But he wants to know is JC Jackson a true shutdown corner in coverage or basically just a premier ball hawk? Uh, Alex, what do you think of, of the uh, JC Jackson question here? Uh, both. I mean, I, I guess the ball hawk thing is interesting because we're going to talk about like the interception totals, and those can vary from year to year, but. If you told someone J.C. Jackson had two or three fewer interceptions, then, I mean, his coverage ability itself would still hold up. I don't think it's quite a Trevon Diggs, uh, you know, variance kind of situation right. there where it's like he's either getting an interception or, you know, he's potentially getting cooked downfield. Um, that's a situation with, I think, higher variance. But um, I think J.C. Jackson, I mean, the NFL showed in those ESPN rankings, they value him as a top five corner. Um, I don't know if I would say his coverage skills are like of the, you know, J, uh, Jalen Ramsey, you know, variety where that guy's clearly best in the league. Um, and, you know, maybe he'll get burnt on a few plays here and there, but he's still going to produce a lot of interceptions and give you a lot of coverage that no Chargers cornerback in the last 10 years could probably give you. So, I mean, I, I still think he's a top five corner in this league. Yeah, absolutely. I, again, like Alex, I don't know if he'll be that Jalen Ramsey peak at his peak, but still he'll be an excellent, I think, shutdown corner. You know, Staley talks about the film when he first walked in the building. Like, yep, I see all these things. I believe in that. You look at those stats that Arjun had posted of him on the graph, you know, in zone coverage, he's like a top five corner. In man coverage, he's a top five corner in terms of like passer rating or whatever. 
And then I think it was Timo. I can't remember who posted it, but it was, you know, who shadowed the number one wide receiver the most. And it was JC. Yeah, Yeah, it was JC Jackson. So you have a guy who's one of the best in man coverage, one of the best in zone coverage, who follows the the number one receiver the most out of anybody else in the league. Like, that's a pretty good sign. Again, Staley says the film looks good. I watched one game against Mike Webb Evans, and it looked good. Obviously, the numbers look good. Um, And I know that the big asterisk is obviously, you know, how will he do outside of the New England system? And I know that some people with the Chargers like that were responsible for kind of the risk assessment there feel pretty good about his transition to the Chargers. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we had heard from a few people that there were some potential character concerns, which maybe led to a bit of a lesser market for JC. I think a lot of people were just kind of shocked that the Patriots even let it get to this point. I know I was one of them. I, I figured he would always be kind of you know, locked in in New England just because of how important cornerback is in that system. Um, but I think he's he's absolutely premier ball hawk. I think it's not just the interceptions. I think he was uh, second in the league in pass breakups as well. Um, so he he's gets his hands on a ton of footballs, and that is obviously a fantastic trait for a cornerback. Um, in the ESPN survey, I think it was one of the NFC executives or NFC scouts or something like that said that, uh, JC has the best ball skills he's ever seen, which I mean, like Deion Sanders exists, so maybe he didn't see him play. I don't know, but um, it's still a very, very big compliment. And I think JC, I wouldn't put him in the same kind of like Ramsey, Jair, Alexander, um, that kind of realm as like a one on one matchup corner, but I think he's right in that tier below. And I think the numbers and the film kind of point that uh, to that same kind of ability. So you know, the, his presence, if he's able to stay healthy, is going to open up a ton of flexibility for the Chargers because Brandon Staley has said that he wants JC to shadow number one receivers. Tyler just pointed out that he did that a ton last year for the Patriots and kind of proving that he was a, a true number one corner after, of course, Stephon Gilmore left. Yeah, not worried at all. So kind of an extension here uh, in terms of the secondary Boogalump wants to know, will Michael Davis be a starter this season? So I know we have a few differing opinions on this one. So, Tyra, I'll let you uh, go first here on your thoughts on uh, Michael Davis's role this year. I mean, it's tough to say. At some point, I think he might be. I mean, that's just injuries. That's just concussions. That's potentially play. I mean, we saw Staley yank Samuel Jr. and Davis for Tavon Campbell, like just in the middle of a game. So at some point, (laughs) like, yes, Michael Davis probably will end up being a starter. I do think he should start. And I'm, I'm really fascinated to see what happens in training camp because there was that, you know, Daniel Popper put out the article of the first day of mini camp that Asante Samuel Jr. was the starter. But there was a section later on that Michael Davis deflected a pass, you know, from Justin Herbert covering Do- Donald Parham. So what was like the context of that? Like, was he in the slot covering Donald Parham? Is he going to be the tight end matchup guy that he kind of was to start the season last year? over Bryce Callahan maybe at some point I don't know I would love to see what the context uh for that was I don't Um, think he'll end up being sorry I don't think he'll end up being the starter to open the year but I think he should be um I don't think he's going to be the starter uh whether he should be really depends on I guess what we see from Asante Samuel Jr we know JC is going to be outside one uh obviously if Asante takes that leap and then they're looking forward to, you know, cutting Michael Davis next year, just because they don't feel like he fits the Staley mold as such, then, I mean, you know, he's going to be 
left off the team at some point. Um, I still think he's going to play a very important role, even if he's not a starter. Tyler mentioned the, the deflecting a pass on Donald Parham, and we've seen how Michael Davis can be really essential to defending guys like Travis Kelsey uh, and, and uh, Darren Waller you know, pretty frequently throughout the year. So I still think Michael Davis, even if he's CB4 um, by depth chart, I still think he's going to be in the rotation and be an important player to what the Chargers are planning to do particularly because the Chargers have also built a sort of smaller cornerback room ahead of him. So I think his size, his length, uh, and his speed are also going to be still really important. Yeah, he'll, he'll absolutely have a role. I think the Chargers have a lot of good options here in terms of the secondary if everybody's healthy. And, um, you know, I was listening to Mina Kimes' podcast about the AFC West, and he and she had uh, Ted Wynn on, who covers the NFL for The Athletic, and – he was talking about the secondary and all the kind of options that they have because not just go just because of Michael Davis and Bryce Callahan, but also because of JT Woods. And he's he's a big fan of the versatility that Woods can bring them and also allows Derwin James to be around the line of scrimmage a lot more often. So um, there's just so many more options this year. I think for me, like the ideal nickel package does involve Michael Davis and bumping Asante Samuel into the slot. Um, if everybody's healthy, of course. So really depends, like Alex is saying, like what do we see from Asante Semi Jr.? Is he like the, tr- the bona fide CB2? I think he should be. Um, and then Michael Davis is your third corner after that. Kind of depends on matchups, I guess. So I, I think Michael Davis ends up playing like a starter amount of snaps this year, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think he's technically a starter just based off of like what the base package will be. Cause I think that's Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we had a super chat. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, SoCal slime shout out for the super chat. He says, who's Steven's preferred matchup for Bosa in the first two weeks, Leatherwood or Wiley. Um, so Leatherwood has been making some strides himself. So I think Leatherwood ends up being a better player. Uh, so I think it'll be Wiley, but I'm just curious in general to see what how they rotate Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa in terms of like side and side because both of them really were like left defensive end, left outside linebackers for both of their respective teams. So um, how they switch that up is going to be very interesting. But the question here is Wiley. I just think his his floor is or his yeah his ceiling is significantly lower floor is lower because Alex Leatherwood, if he's good and locked in, then he obviously has a much higher ceiling. But Joey's going to cook. Joey's going to cook either one of these two players because I don't think they're going to be like a top tier matchup for them. Is Leatherwood playing tackle? He is. He's oh. um, according to Raiders people who have because Raiders started training camp last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is getting snaps at guard with the second team, but he is the starting right tackle right now. Hmm. Again, it's at least first week of training camp, but yeah, yeah. Uh, someone's hitting their mic. It's getting pretty incredible feedback. All right, there we go. Uh, interesting. Bob Leatherwood taking first team reps at tackle and then second team reps at guard. Yeah, I really wonder what Duke thinks of that. Uh, I know that he hates that they put him at guard last year. So after playing Joey Bosa, yeah. <laughs> I know it's like so many coaches are are super inconsistent with like what they expect from rookie offensive linemen. And it's like you drafted this guy clearly to play tackle. 
And so he has like a rough start to his rookie career, rookie season. And you're like, let's just bump him into guard and in the middle of the season. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's just not an ideal situation for any rookie offensive lineman or, or player in general, right? Like, I mean, he wasn't a rookie, but we saw Kenneth Murray struggle with a linebacker yeah. to mm-hmm. edge kind of transition. And uh, it's just not fair to the young players to ask them to learn one position and then midseason be like, hey, learn this new position on the fly. Yeah, it's no surprise that Slater was the better tackle last year. He just played left tackle. You're at a left tackle, you're playing left tackle. Sewell had to move back and forth. Yeah. Um, Eichenberg had to move to guard or whatever he ended up being in tackle. Leatherwood had to move. It's just not ideal. Like, it clearly doesn't work. Well, it can, but, like, don't yeah. do it in the middle I, of the I can't find the I can't find the question, but speaking of uh, Kenneth Murray, I saw Anthony Hopper asking about Murray potentially being placed on the PUP list or the IR or something like that. Um, from what I've seen, teams are kind of waiting until everybody's in the building to place a player on the PUP list. So uh, I would expect we find out a little bit more about Murray's situation on Monday when all of the players actually report to camp. Didn't the Saints already place Michael Thomas on the PUP list? I think, yeah. Well, I saw something like that. Um, so I think teams have already started the process, but the Chargers probably wait till they're formally in the building. These questions always crack me up. Jace wants to know, hypothetically, in a situation due to injury in training camp, which of these veteran guys would you be most comfortable with coming back to the team? Chris Herod, Jared Cook, or Linvoth Joseph? Oh, Linvoth. Um, I think it would, like, from an on-field perspective, it's definitely Linvoth, but he's also coming off of a shoulder surgery or a yeah. surgery of some kind. We don't really know how healthy he is. Chris Harris reportedly has five teams interested in him. I don't know how much I buy that. CFL or... <laughs> yeah. um, the answer is definitely not Jared Cook, though. I'm, I'm good with the tight ends uh, where they are at. I'm good. Linval's fine. If they want to bring him back, whatever. Harris and Cook are just objectively terrible. Yeah, it would probably be Joseph, then Cook, then Harris for me. Joseph really? being a clear front runner. Yeah, I mean, watching all the games now on offense with Jared Cook, well, obviously there are significant issues, don't get me wrong. But like, I feel like they have players who can just do what Chris Harris Jr. can do, or at least they should develop him. Linval Joseph, I think they have some guys they can work with there. Donald Parham, like, I don't know how much they actually believe in him. You know, it's like 193 sure. yards this is season high. If they absolutely had to, and they absolutely had to, Jared Cook, if Gerald Everett gets hurt, obviously, would at least be able to slide in and kind of maintain some production, I suppose. Sure, that's true. Uh, true. Please don't get hurt, Gerald Everett. (laughs) Um, Shout out to Everett O'Neill, just joined our our YouTube membership program. So a good opportunity to plug that, of course, as we get close to training camp. Tyler's going to be there for most of the practices and likely sharing a lot of information in our discord app so uh make sure you are signed up for that if you haven't already it's a great opportunity to uh just get some inside information from somebody that has boots on the ground over the next few weeks yeah i'll I'll be there all of except for three days i think during training camp so i'll have as much information as i can give you um so yeah follow me here on twitter whatever Absolutely. Um, 
Thomas Martinez wants to know about joint practices versus the Cowboys. Are all eyes on the tackles versus Parsons? Any other spicy matchups, Diggs versus Allen? I mean, if I were there, I would be watching the tackles versus Micah Parsons, uh, specifically Rashawn Slater. You know, they had some really fun reps in the game last season. But I think naturally, like most people are going to be watching the receivers versus the corners on both sides. Like, I, th- I think there's a good amount of CD Lamb buzz this year, too. So CD mm-hmm. versus JC Jackson, Keenan versus Trayvon Diggs. Like, that's where most people are going to be watching. But, uh, I mean, I'm a trench guy, so that's my answer. Yeah, I, I do want to see Keenan Allen because he had, I think, one really great play to start that game. But then there were like the two slips and he was undercut for an interception by Diggs during that Dallas game. Just kind of some weird things that don't usually happen with Keenan Allen. So I'd love to see him get you know some revenge there as much as he can. Yeah, I think wide receiver cornerback matchups are generally easier to watch during training camp, too. Because like, after, you know, I guess obviously edge players and offensive tackles like go to the rep but like there's sort of a point where they stop versus i feel like the wide receivers and cornerbacks just kind of like keep going through the play um yeah i mean keenan versus anyone would really be interesting um maybe we can get like another rams fight uh with the wide receivers and the cornerbacks and we just start chaos uh but yeah i I think that any, any real matchup versus the cowboys would be pretty interesting you gotta love uh, training camp fights. There, there wasn't really anything physical with the Niners last year. I know that there was like a lot no. of verbal yelling between the two sides, but um, we'll see if that streak breaks this year with the Cowboys. Uh, Jarrett, the Chargers and Rams are not having a joint practice. The only team that the Chargers are joint practicing with is the Cowboys. And I would check your email for the season ticket yeah. thing. That's what I figured. If you guys see a question, of course, uh, you can put it up. Look, I know we're going to talk about this tomorrow. Like, I don't know. Letty Brown, he's not electric. I, I don't know what people keep. <laughs> people love him so much. I get it. There's so many great things about him. But electric just does not feel like something that really speaks to me when I watch him. I know the highlights are really cool, but you know, Miguel, I'm just not, I'm not really feeling it with Liddy Brown. And if you're frustrated with Joshua Kelly's fumbling problems, look at Liddy Brown's five last year. Yeah. I feel like Marks is the more electric one between the two. If I had to pick one. Yeah, I agree. I, um, I mean, I, I watched film on both of these players. Uh, Letty Brown just felt like, the same kind of player as Larry Roundtree, where it's yep. like, if there's a clear defined hole, like he can see it and he can get through there. And if he gets in an open space, he can be a, you know, physical kind of player and potentially break some tackles. But, you know, Tyler mentioned the fumbling issues. I'm, I'm not super into that kind of back. I just think he's really redundant. Um, I do think that they would choose Roundtree over Letty Brown because Roundtree has been in the system. Mm-hmm. Roundtree has more special teams value. So for me, if there's a, an, the undrafted running back that can make the roster is Marks because of his diversity as a pass catcher, as a runner. And also he was a fantastic blocker mm. uh, at Memphis. So I think there's more special teams value there. So, mm. you know, if you're talking about keeping four running backs and the last spot is Roundtree versus Marks, I think Marks has a better chance than Brownwood just because of his special teams, his potential special teams value. 
I also, yeah, I also just think the highlights matter a little bit less. I mean, when we talk about these guys who are making the preseason and what you do in camp and even like preseason games, you know, there was the one big Larry Roundtree run versus the Rams last year, um, yeah. you know, and that's when the Roundtree hype really got to its uh, peak uh, where he's blocked for an open hole. Uh, but I think it's less about those plays too and more so when you're talking about Brown or Marks or somebody's got Kelly fighting for a roster spot as well. When you're talking about these guys that are going to be in that position, I think it's more about what they do on special teams from rep to rep than it is about what they're doing on offense during a game. Obviously, if you fumble during a preseason game or you commit some kind of error on offense, it's going to come back to buy you, particularly blocking and stuff. But uh, I think the Chargers are going to make that decision much more on a special teams basis, uh, similar to how Eckler was picked out of that crop of undrafted free agents a couple of years ago. That's a great point. Uh, Tylen asking about uh, any similarities between Justin Jackson and Isaiah Spiller. Mm-hmm. Says to me, even though they both lack speed, they have great vision and can break tackles. Yeah, I don't know if they're, I don't know what their physical profiles look like, but they do look very similar. They do have that elusive trait. For some reason, Justin Jackson was like fifth in the league in yards after contact per attempt last year. I don't really expect that to have held um, over many years. I don't know if it did or not. Um, but otherwise, the elusiveness, the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, just that kind of one cut, the wiggle. I think there's a lot of similarities there. I think when you were watching, it was pretty obvious that he was kind of just Justin Jackson, but healthy. Yeah, um, I think Justin Jackson has better vision, personally. Um, but they both can break tackles and both play with that physicality. Yeah, I think, um, you know, one similarity that I would point out is that they're both of them are not necessarily like elite receiving options, but both of them can do a lot of good things as a pass catcher. Like I think that was kind of an underrated aspect of Isaiah Spiller's game was his ability to, you know, uh, get out out of the backfield, run some Texas routes, run some option routes and be effective in that regard more so than just like, Hey, run this screen and catch the ball with a lot of blockers in front of you. So Justin Jackson was a very good receiving back. I think Isaiah Spiller, also a, a very similarly underrated receiving back. I guess I would say Spiller's kind of better through the contact. Um, I generally trust Justin Jackson's athleticism and vision more, though, of course, the big difference being that Spiller seems to still yeah. be young and able to stay healthy. Yeah, I would say the biggest advantage that Jackson has over Spiller would be contact balance for me. And just the way that Jackson mm. is able to just kind of plant his feet in the ground and stay, you know, um, on his feet, essentially when he, he's going through contact, I think would be the biggest edge there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Um... Always love uh, pop culture questions. Yes, I was so questions. ready for this. Okay. Um, Teresa Compapa is looking for movie suggestions for today to beat the heat. Lord of the Rings, Godfather, Harry Potter. Uh, I'm feeling the same way. It's uh, not supposed to be as hot today as it was last Saturday, uh, but it's still going to be like 103 today. So I'll, I'll take the five degree <laughs> downgrade a little bit. Uh, but Tyler, uh, suggestions for Teresa Compapa's today as he's uh, trying to stay inside and watch the movies. I mean, if you have to break this tier, like into who this trio, excuse me, Lord of the Rings trilogy by a mile, and then watch it again, the extended versions. Um, the Godfather trilogy would almost have it, but you think that third one, you know, I've only seen that once and I wasn't super fond of it. Um, and then Harry Potter after that. I think the Harry Potter movies are eh, fine. Not but a big like, Harry Potter guy, huh? No, I'm not a big texture guy. Uh, I'm, I'm not big. <laughs> I'm a big Lord of the Rings guy. Not a big yeah. fan of the Harry Potter textures. Yeah. Big, big elf guy <laughs> over here. Um, the Harry Potter movies are fine. Like, they're obviously a big part of, I think, most of our childhoods, or at least the cultural yeah. zeitgeist at the time. Um, if you have, like, a you know girlfriend, fiance who is really into it, watch the Twilight movies. Um, it's really oh. funny to go back and watch those. They suck. Don't get me wrong. They're so bad. <laughs> but you can have some fun with that. So, yeah, maybe the Twilight movies. Um, I mean, John Wick 4 trailer just dropped, you know, Keanu yeah. Reeves versus Donnie Yen. Like, it sounds amazing. Watch the John Wick trilogy. It's just some fun. Um, I don't know. Whatever. Dark Knight trilogy? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, if you're talking about these three things, like, the answer is obviously Lord of the Rings. But, um, you know, I think there are, there's a lot of good opportunities or things that you can check out. I mean, depending on what streaming services you have, of course. But I, uh, I was laughing the other day because brooke and i recently started watching um what we do in the shadows that taika watiti is it good FX show it's so funny I it's so oh funny God. it takes a little bit to get going and it is kind of like dry humor so mm -hmm. if you're not super into dry humor it's probably not your show um but in the second season because the first season is only like 10 episodes so you can get through it pretty quick um but in the second season they do like a spoof on on the uh, baseball scene from Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, okay. where what's his name? Like, gets the ball like into the forest and yeah. like, yeah. like chases after it. And 
you know, they do a little spoof on that in in uh, the FX series with Taika Waititi and Brooke and I were dying at it. Oh my gosh, I have to look that up now. So that's on Hulu. Uh, if anybody wants to go watch it, if you're into Taika Waititi, I think he's a fantastic director, but uh, just a really funny like vampire spoof kind of show. I actually really hated Godfather Three the first time I watched it, but then I watched they released like a director's cut version of it. Um, oh, was it last year? Two years ago? So I think it was last year. It actually wasn't as bad as I remembered. Um, I guess if you're just saying like quantifiable trilogies, like what their IMDb composite scores would be, uh, then probably Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Godfather one and two. I would probably yeah. say that over Lord of the Rings still, but um, it kind of depends on what stuff you're into. I know I'm going to be watching uh, what's that movie called? The Russo brothers are doing it with Chris Evans and uh, Gray Man. Austin. Gray Man, yeah. Like I wanted to watch that this weekend. But... I saw Nope yesterday. Not a big fan. It was okay. Did you did you at least did you like like the first half more? Like when did it lose you, or was it immediately? <sighs> It kind of, so I don't want to give spoilers. The stuff they do with the monkey wasn't that good to me. And that's sort of where they lost me because I felt that the movie got bloated because of that. Everything with Kiki Palmer and Mm -hmm. uh, Daniel Kaluuya, love that stuff. Mm -hmm. It gave me, you said signs on Twitter, but like how bloated it was and like the ending just feeling not that great like it didn't mm. feel like a great resolution it kind of reminded me of like the happening a little bit um not, oh, that's worse no, okay, <laughs> that's much not worse as, <laughs> not as not as bad as that movie like clearly jordan peele is yeah. like not and my channel on how bad that movie was with the acting and stuff but like it's it's the most cinematic like peel movie but it i is. just felt like it got i feel like he got ahead of himself like writing it because like it probably could have been two separate movies with the monkey and Steven Yoon's character and mm-hmm. the other stuff. And I just thought the other stuff was better. I don't know. Yeah. I, I was the stuff that they shot, like what they were going with Steven Yoon and, and Gordy or whatever. I was like, okay, interesting. Like this is maybe even intense. Like what's this going to be? And then it just goes away and it's like, Oh, okay. I guess we're not talking about that anymore. Um, again, I try not to spoil anything. I, I don't think it was like signs. It just, Jason was asking about like, Oh scare, yeah, yeah. Totally. scare level. Yeah, like what? How scary is it? I think it's like kind of like a signs. Uh, yeah, I think people, I think people, most people would like it. Fine. It's just it's up to you. Once you get kind of the idea of what's going on, it might completely, you might completely hate it. Like I, I'll be honest, like you might hate yeah. the reveal. I guess. Mm-hmm. Brooke and I might go see that tonight. She loves Jordan Peele, um, so we'll see. Uh, Chorizo with a follow up question. If all of these guys are commissioned to kill each other, who survives? John Wick, Jason Bourne, James Bond. Uh, what I'll say is James James Bond is getting out of this competition like immediately. <laughs> That's what I think too. Um, <laughs> even if you're talking about Daniel Craig's James Bond, like I just don't think he can hold up against what John Wick and Jason Bourne can do. So I think John Wick's character is just so much more of a gun specialist, and Jason Bourne is much better in hand to hand combat. That James Bond is the clear weak link here, and he is out immediately, pretty much for me. Yeah, I agree. I, I even think like the shift to Daniel Craig and like Casino Royale was because of Jason Bourne, how much more intense yeah. and kind of cool that was. Um, I'll say John Wick. I'm a big Keanu fan, and also I I almost think he's kind of invincible at this point. Like he has yet to yeah. die from everything that he's he's gone through. 
in yeah. like four days. So I think I think John Wick. Yeah, I mean, both of them have quite a bit of like plot armor. Um, <laughs> sure. I'll go John Wick. I mean, just in terms of like, I feel like that's how the first John Wick movie in particular is just like structured with like the legend of like how he is and that gets around. Um, I like I like the Bourne movies a little bit more though, and then it kind of like yeah, I can see that. Fell, it fell off when they did like Legacy and they like tried to replace Matt Damon yeah. with Jeremy Renner, and then they had yeah. to bring Matt Damon back. Um, but yeah, I I think John Wick probably wins that fight. Yeah, I think just from like a sheer will standpoint, like John Wick is is gonna outlast whoever is in this competition. But you know, if Jason Bourne has a chance for me, it would be like hand to hand combat, you know, and just like duke it out with John Wick that way. But um, like I said, Wick just has those survivor survival skills uh, on tap. Um, K Rich pointing out you could have put in the Equalizer. Sure, I guess not the TV version, obviously. But with uh, Denzel Washington, could John Wick beat versus, the 2001 uh, Lakers? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Shaq in a Shaq in this kind of competition. Shaq, would put, Shaq would put 80 points on John Wick before he gets shot. <laughs> well, John Wick did beat that basketball player. Who was it in the uh, third movie? Uh, Boban. Uh, Boban. Yeah. yeah. So you know, there's some <laughs> precedent yeah. here. I forgot that Boban was in that movie. I forgot. Is it chapter three or chapter two? I don't remember. Three. I think it was the third one. Yeah. Because I'm with the book yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you guys watch Hustle on Netflix with Adam Sandler? No. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, Bobon's in that, and it's like yeah. a recreation okay. of Benchwarmers, where that guy is like twenty-seven and he's trying to play in like little league. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so Bobon, like Bobon, is huge and old, right? Yeah. And Adam Sandler's like, "Are you sure you're eighteen? Because if you're older than twenty-two, you can't be in the draft." And he's like, "I'm yeah. 20. Yeah, I also <laughs> liked um. Uh, Bo Cruz going against Tobias Harris and all that. That was good. Yeah. Um, Anthony Edwards is awesome in that movie. I feel he like he, sh- he should be in like every movie that they make, like regarding <laughs> basketball, outside of basketball. He's, he's, he's awesome. He is. So there's another movie suggestion if you want to uh, check out a sports movie with uh, Hustle. Um, I saw some football questions again in here. Um, <laughs> They're rare. Oh, yeah, now. that. <laughs> yeah, Tim F. What do you think the chances of going with both Leonard and Taylor over Campbell and Hall? So we are we are going to do a, a position battle episode tomorrow. So I don't want to like spoil a ton of this, but I do think that it's it is important to to kind of separate these two battles, like Tim has outlined here, because a lot of people are like, oh, like they could choose Taylor versus Campbell, and I think for me. You're talking about a slot position battle with Taylor and Hall and then an outside corner position between Leonard and Campbell. So I think it is important to distinguish those two as opposed to just saying like they could keep Taylor Mm -hmm. and Hall, for example, or they could keep Campbell and Leonard. So I think it's going to be two separate position battles, two separate winners there. Yeah, Uh, Taylor has the easiest shot just by nature of draft position and, and honestly skill, but... What are the chances? It really feels like a coin flip. I'll be completely honest. Like it does feel like a 50-50 shot. I'll let you know after a few days in training camp. Honestly, like whichever ones do better on special teams, like that that feels kind of like the answer. Um, I know they mentioned in that uh, Popper Athletic article from Minicamp that Hall's working with Guyton as the gunner, um, you know, kind of in that role. So 
Um, if he proves his value on special teams and kind of wins like the gunner job, then he might just be kept on the roster for for that purpose. Um, other than that, I think Jasir Taylor is probably the lock, and then they pick one of Campbell Hall or uh, Leonard. Yeah, like I I think Taylor's pretty much a lock for kind of like that last spot because I I say last even though he's like probably more likely to play than like Dean Leonard would be but um just from like a positional standpoint like there's so many options in front of him for slot for covering the slot that I don't know how much Taylor is going to be playing but I think he will make the roster um I mean Leonard has a chance man I I think it's an interesting case study that will play out because Campbell's obviously the veteran they they know what he can do there's no like developing Tavon Campbell like he is what he is at this point but we were talking in our discord earlier this week and Dean Leonard has basically like zero experience playing man to man defense. Like it's always been zone coverage and specifically like way off zone coverage at Ole Miss and in Canada. So Leonard's got some intriguing physical skills for sure. He's never played man to man coverage essentially. So if they view him kind of as like a, a ball of clay that they can mold throughout the season and play in a pinch, then that's maybe they'll choose Leonard. Um, a lot of uh, chief offensive line questions over the last couple of weeks, obviously with Orlando Brown and his situation. Um, I laughed really hard at Andy Reid yesterday, <laughs> yeah. like immediately starting his press conference and said, well, we have full confidence in Joe Tooney playing left tackle if Orlando <laughs> doesn't show up and we feel like we we're set there. Um, Tooney did play a couple games last year at left tackle. They were pretty good like they weren't elite by any means but um you know they're they're in a good spot regardless because i think you know you have an elite center if tooney and trey smith are your left guard right guard for me that's like the best interior trio in the league by quite a lot um but if tooney's kicking out the left tackle i still think you're talking about a good offensive line Mm -hmm. but you're not talking about an elite offensive line because you're getting worse essentially at two positions by kicking Tooney out to left tackle, bringing in a backup left guard. I hope by week two, it's Joe Tooney at tackle and Chris Jones at edge and just all these good <laughs> interior players are moved outside. Yeah. Uh, I guess I, th- I like, I still think it's a decent offensive line specifically just because you have Creed Humphrey um, and you guys have guys that I think can stabilize it. If you have to move Joe Tooney and they really can't reach a deal by week one, it would be worse, but I guess this is also like a how good do you think Orlando Brown is question, right? Because if you think sure. he's a top 10 tackle, then obviously that's like pretty dramatic drop off. But if you think he's more, I think like we do in the top 15, 20 range, then you can probably get, you know, get away with having Thune. If they didn't sign Thune last year, I think they would be in much bigger, much bigger trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just like the chiefs have so many question marks for me and you know, offensive line is like at the lowest in the list. Like to me, offensive line and linebacker, which were real weaknesses of theirs a couple seasons ago are like the strengths of the team outside of Patrick Mahomes, of course. Um, So, I mean, for their sake, like obviously I hope that, you know, they'll be able to get back Orlando Brown, but from our sake, like (laughs) obviously don't like, please hold out some if you want to, um, but, you know, to me, the biggest X factor for the Chiefs is the defense again, because I think they they clearly wanted to get younger and more athletic. But 
Melvin Ingram was a huge piece for them down the stretch. And, you know, George Karloftis, I think I like him as a prospect, but he's not going to be better than Melvin Ingram out of the gate. And Trent McDuffie is not going to be better than Charvarius Ward out of the gate. And you're talking about them opening the season with the Cardinals offense, the Chargers offense, the Colts offense, the Buccaneers offense, the Raiders offense, and the Bills offense in the first six weeks. So flying in read for Matthew too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so they're just in a, a bit of a transition phase that, but they were in kind of a transition phase last year too, I yeah. guess, from a win loss standpoint. So the difference obviously is you got to be able to take advantage of the first six games this year. Yeah. I feel like we're just going to see the same stuff we saw last year, but the first four games we're like, oh, I don't know. Or the chiefs finally on the, on the decline. And then we see Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and it's like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> so I feel like that's kind of going to play out this year. Yeah. Probably. Tyler, any thoughts there on the Chiefs? Final thoughts there? I, guess. I, I want a full, healthy, ready-to-go Chiefs team. I don't want to beat them in week two, or I don't want the Chargers to beat them in week two. And it's like, well, we didn't have this. and that. No, like, let's just go in, beat the Raiders, beat the Chiefs. Like, I want I want a definitive start to this year. Like, no, this is our AFC West this year. Absolutely. I agree there. I, I'm, I'm always a fan. Like, people are always like, oh, I hope he, you know, he's – uh, rooting for certain suspensions to happen or rooting for no. people to be injured. It's like, no, like I want healthy versus healthy. Like I want a better football game, better competition, and the Chargers obviously to come out on top. <laughs> uh, Thomas Martinez, is it an advantage that Isaiah Spiller is only 20 for the rookie dinner shenanigans since he can't buy alcohol yet? This is always so funny to me. I don't know if you guys saw from... Um, I think it was the pivot podcast where Garrett Wilson was on there and he was talking about like rookie dinners and um, how it was just going to be like yeah. the worst experience possible. And I think this is low key an advantage for Isaiah Spiller because, you know, they can't put that tab on his check, I guess. I don't know, but um, I wonder if the chargers do this. We haven't heard much. We haven't heard many like horror stories about rookie dinners recently from the chargers. So hmm. I wonder if this is still a thing for them or not. Well, I know they, they put up pictures of like rookies carrying uh, pads before uh, right. quite, a, quite a bit. I don't know about the rookie dinners. I will say um, I relate to Isaiah Spiller's uh, struggles uh, with terminal baby faces. I uh, forgot my ID <laughs> at a restaurant last night and I could not order alcohol. So I uh, oh, no. <laughs> yep. Yeah, happens, happens to the best of us or the worst of us. Uh, so understand where Isaiah Spiller's struggles come from. That's a bummer, Alex. Yep, it's bad. No one, no one bought some alcohol for you. Well, no. Well, also, okay, it's like a small Italian restaurant, and then like if someone would have bought alcohol for me, the someone, the, someone would have had it like slid over to me, and the waitress would have walked by and been like, "Oh, what the fuck's going on over here?" Uh, so it's really was obvious. Really way that it could have gotten away with it. But, yeah. That's too bad. That's too bad. Yeah. Sometimes when I, I was always the designated driver, obviously in college. And so I would like buy alcohol for my friends who were underage and just like say, Hey, this is mine. And then just give it to them. So, yeah, it's also different uh, in Antigua because you can be 18 and order alcohol versus here. You have to be 21. So yeah. when I slide over my ID and it's like born in 1999, the waitress takes a look at it and like wonders if it's fake. <laughs> no <one believes laughs> that I'm 23. Uh, so. You're born in 99. Yep. 
That made me feel so old, man. <laughs> I'm not even that far off. It's just like, yeah, whoo, like you are Phantom yeah. Menace age. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you've had the same experience, Tyler. I imagine yes, but little kids or middle school kids or high school kids always just like assume that you're super old. <laughs> and um, like, I don't. Not really. Maybe it's just like because I have a beard and like I, I I've yeah. always looked older than I actually am. But I had a, a high school kid yesterday tell me that I looked like I was 40. And I was like, bro. <laughs> I high was like, kid? A high school kid, yeah. Because I have like some like, you know, dumb little five-year-olds be like, you're 50 million. And it's like, okay, well, not <laughs> right. quite. But right. a high school kid, yeah, I, I would not have guessed 40s. I would have guessed like maybe 30 or something, you know? I don't know. Which I'm 28. Like, uh, you know, yeah. 30 is, is close enough, but. You just looking weathered I, and sweaty at school. I know. Like, <laughs> you show up like, uh. Was like, Isaiah oh, yeah, Stiller 40. born in 2001 or 2002? If he's 20. Uh, I would guess 2001, right? I guess he's turning 21. This is important. <laughs> Let me see. Let's fact check this. So he was born August 9th, 2001. So he okay, turns so, 21, so yeah, so turning 21 in training camp. Okay. So, so looks like he won't actually ditch. He won't really ditch the rookie hazing. You know, I imagine oh. he'll uh, he'll get that twenty-one year old alcohol bill pretty quickly after that. Oh man, August. I think uh, I think Matisse might have been like twenty, like his first Sixer season or something, and they just made him buy like a ton of Chick Fil A for the whole team, so that <laughs> took place of alcohol. But yeah. Yeah, NBA players are different because like Devin Booker was 18 for like oh yeah, basically his whole rookie season. Yeah, uh, I just remember Bill Simmons saying Jason Tatum was only 19 for like eight years. <laughs> yeah. Was, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Teresa Compapa is what offense scares you more, Chiefs or Raiders? Uh, Chiefs. Uh, the one that has Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty easy. <laughs> um, like the Raiders scare me, and obviously you add Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro takes another step, but to me that's just a Derek Carr versus Patrick Mahomes question at the end of the day, and I'm much more scared about what Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid can still do than Derek Carr and Jonathan Daniels. Yeah, I think for me this is like, I mean, I trust J.C. Jackson to at least hold his own against Devontae, and I trust Derwin, Michael Davis, that combination to – Mm -hmm. you know win some uh matchups individually against darren waller and obviously I, I trust the defense as a whole against Derek carr whereas patrick mahomes can just like pop off at any moment and yeah. you know score three touchdowns and three drives and you know we've seen that time and time again so i think for me it's just it, it's the quarterback thing more than anything else it's the way i would answer this question is like if the chargers have a 20 point lead over either of these teams, who scares you more in terms of who could come back? And that's still that's still the Chiefs without they're constructed. Yeah. All right, trying to find a couple more questions. We'll take a few more, um, and then we'll head out for the morning. Get your get your food questions in. We're we have five <laughs> or ten minutes left. This happens every episode. Yeah, yeah. one food question for twenty minutes. Come on, guys. <laughs> We'll, we'll find some realization over here. I'm 
we, we did cover a lot of like pop culture stuff today. You know, we talked about the NBA a little bit. Well, it's July. <laughs> it's, it's still training camps next week, so we're yeah. not laid <laughs> back in. Teresa, so when people stop carding you for alcohol, it's a sad day. So I guess enjoy that moment for a while, Alex. No, no. Probably going to get carded until I'm 40, so. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> do, do, do Jewish people have the Asian thing where they look the same age for about 80 years and then all of a sudden they turn 80? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd say, yeah. Also depends on, depends on how much hair they have because I, I feel like... Yeah. That's a big factor, but yeah. Alex, uh, somebody was asking, like, I don't know how this came up, but what are the most common like Jewish last names? Like, I know Schwartz is like a big one, but uh, I'll Google Goldman, uh, Goldman, anything ending in Berg. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, there, mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of them. Really, just look at IMDb, and you'll you'll find. <laughs> find everything you need to find on that topic um yeah. most the, common surnames cohen cohen's a big one yeah huh. um i think the more interesting thing is the first names because i know like growing up i knew like a ton of jewish boys that were named ari like that's like a huge huh. jewish boy name um rachel big jewish girl name there you go Every Rachel I see now will just be like, uh, yeah. "Are you Jewish?" There, there's at least a seventy percent chance. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, Levine, Thomas also pointed out Stein, Levine Stein. Yeah. All right, we got a food question from Thomas, so we're oh. talking about it. Does fruit belong on pizza? What about tacos? Sorry, I just started with the pizza. It doesn't belong on pizza at all. <laughs> yeah, not on pizza. I guess it depends. Like, what are you doing for tacos? Like, if you're doing some sort of like fish baja fish taco with like some like pineapple salsa maybe but like otherwise no like i did not really i think this is specifically like a pineapple question or like a mango question because yeah, like mango. obviously you're not gonna put like a strawberry on either of these right you know or like watermelon. in utah they do i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> funeral potatoes in your tacos they'll put a, they'll put a chocolate covered strawberry on a pizza and call it a, a dessert oh, pizza or some Jesus. shit i don't know yeah no, what, no what technically counts as a fruit, though? Like, because you know what the avocado... state vegetable of Oklahoma is? No, it's a watermelon. Hmm. Wait, like, is... vegetable? Yes. Like, is avo- <laughs> is avocado a fruit? I want to say yes, technically. Because I was just thinking, like, if you're making like I don't know guacamole or something, like, does guacamole by proxy count as a vegetable? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if avocado is a fruit, then the answer to this question is yes. Because oh, that, that, that I think, yeah. Is avocado a fruit? Only, only on tacos, though. I would think avocado is a fruit. Oh, but dude. considered a fruit. So, yes. There we go. Right. And the answer to this question is yes, dude. Yeah. Like chicken, fruit, bacon, fruit avocado pizza. Fantastic. All right. Oh, avocados are good. Next, let's solve world hunger. <laughs> but uh, the answer, if you're talking about pineapples, the answer is also yes. I had a pineapple pizza on Wednesday. It was fantastic. Oh Jesus! What the fuck? You. What the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. It was great, dude. They, they they put Fresno chilies and the marinara sauce, and then they had uh, oven roasted prosciutto and then pineapple. It was a great pizza. It was you put you put pineapples near oven roasted prosciutto. 
Not in the prosciutto. It was, no, I just in the same five mile radius. Like yeah, it was, absolutely. It was, <laughs> it, it was a great balance of spicy, sweet, and salty. It was fantastic. Absolutely. I've seen a recipe for avocado brownies, by the way. Avocado uh, brownies? I don't know. Mm, not the accoutrement that I would put in brownies. Um, in terms of tacos, there is, uh, you know, obviously tacos al pastor with pineapple is a fantastic com- yeah. uh, combination. Mango salsa, great. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're talking about avocado. Teresa, not a fan of mangoes and tacos. Obviously, if you're like making it work, not just like here's a mango slice, like an avocado slice. I'm a fan of tacos. Mangoes, you could live without. Cut. (laughs) If you guys could switch lives with any Chargers player, who would you choose? Ooh, it's a good question. I mean, okay, aside from the fact that I'd have to get like break up with my fiance. So I'm imagining I didn't have to worry about that. Hmm. Um, I mean, Keenan's got it pretty good. I mean, Keenan's lived in Southern California like his whole life. And, you know, he's earned a lot of a big chunk of change throughout his life. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I mean, obviously, like Justin would have the most fun because he's still single. Like he, I mean, he basically gets to do whatever he wants. I don't know if I'd want to be Justin, wants. though. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're inheriting his personality too. Yeah. But I mean, Justin's got a good sense of humor. He hmm. does lift. So that's good. You know. Actually, I think for me the answer would be Sebastian Joseph Day because he gets to do a podcast with Mike Tyson. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, he has a, a YouTube channel dedicated to eating food, so that would be pretty fun. And he's just like he's just such an electric personality, man. Like I think that would be yeah. Fun. I completely forgot. The right answer is Chase Daniel. That's the that's the job that I want. Oh yeah, get paid to do nothing. <laughs> yeah, Charlie Whitehurst, yeah. Kellen Clemens, Chase Daniel, you name there it. You like, yeah, any of those. I, I think Chase Daniel is the answer. That's perfect. I'm just catching up on some of the comments, and somebody pointed out cauliflower on tacos. Gross. I've seen cauliflower in pizza, and that also looks inedible. I've had cauliflower like crust before. But, yeah, no, but I mean, like, cauliflower as a topping, like, on the cheese. It's just so strange. It doesn't even look yeah. good. Like, why would no. it just... There's a... It, 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 big texture guy? No. No, not on, <laughs> no on the cauliflower texture. Fair enough. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> Thomas Martinez pointing out Fajoko. I think, like, obviously he's a great guy, but there's always just kind of that, is he on the team? Is he not on the team? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that, that kind of back end of the roster grind is just, like, would not be my choice. Like I want an established future. Okay, now you just say a bunch of weird things, guys. Cauliflower with mac and cheese, pizza with mayonnaise. Pizza with mayonnaise? What? That goes in <laughs> coffee. That's yeah. That oh god, <laughs> I saw that video and I was like, "What is Will happening?" Will Levis, man, undrafted right now, <laughs> deported. You should be. You should be out of the country. I'm sorry. Steven, who's the quarterback you gave like the lowest grade of all time? <laughs> uh, it was, um, what's his name from Michigan? Um, oh, I can't well, think I, of his name. He was in the USFL name. this year on the same team as uh, Paxton Lynch. Are we talking about Shea Patterson? Yeah, Shea Patterson. He's yeah, below yeah, that. That's the one. Yeah, that's <laughs> below that. 
Talk about a weird texture, man. Mayo and coffee. I can like slightly understand people that put like a modicum of like butter in their coffee or something. I've heard that before, but mayo, just no. And he squirted like half the bottle. In yeah, he did. That's, the thing. Like, That's disgusting. <laughs> You're not even drinking coffee anymore. You're just drinking yeah. mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, SoCal Slime said Justin has a girlfriend. I know there's been a bunch of rumors like yeah uh during the covid a lot of people thought he was dating some chick from the bachelor franchise um last year a lot of people thought he was dating um the nfl network lady Shoddy. yeah but i mean not that justin would ever like post about it but i feel like we would like consensus know if justin had a girlfriend or not i don't know Send us your sources, SoCal Slime. Honestly, I feel like we wouldn't. I feel like Justin just wants to go his whole career with us not knowing anything about him, which I respect. Sure, but, I mean, he's, <laughs> like, in L.A., like, if Justin Herbert had a girlfriend, I feel like it would be pretty common knowledge. Probably. But I also feel like Justin is, <laughs> being in L.A., I think he wants to be as low-key as possible. Like, I think he almost views the <laughs> paparazzi as, like, a challenge. <laughs> How much you can... Yeah, Get Thomas said paparazzi would have caught him by now. Yeah. Like, he's so big, too. Like, you're not talking about an average human being just being able to sneak around a girl. Yeah. Like, there's no doubt that that guy is Justin Herbert as soon as you see him. Yeah, I, I think I think that's probably why he goes back to Eugene all the time. So he could, he could just, like, avoid and No one's going to follow him yeah. to Eugene, Oregon. So. Maybe he's got a – maybe there's, like, a former Oregon soccer player that he's, like, dating or something. I don't know. Maybe I'll, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, do we want to address the birthday cake and ice cream question or just head out? Birthday cake mostly sucks. I always get cheesecake because it's way better. Um, ice cream, it kind of depends. There's the half baked ice cream from Ben and Jerry's, which has like both like fudge brownie and chocolate chip cookie dough in it. It's freaking amazing. It's so good. Yeah. I'm against Ben and Jerry's because you're just not getting enough value and it's too expensive for that pint. I'm sorry to be Jewish here, but like, you're just <laughs> I've never value. weighed the value of a pint of ice cream. I'm like, no. give me that ice cream. I don't if, care how much you, I'm spending. You, if it's if good, you it's buy good. the store brand ice cream, it is, you can get a whole gallon of ice cream for the same cost of a pint of Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, but you're getting a tub of vanilla ice cream. Vanilla value wise, would you rather have like spend like eighty five dollars because it has Jimmy Fallon's face on it? Like I don't. Uh, <laughs> that's basically what Ben and Jerry's is. But I mean, you're, I buy you're the buying Jimmy Ben Kimmel and one. Jerry's. You're <laughs> buying Ben and Jerry's because they have like other flavors just besides like classic chocolate or, or vanilla. Yeah, like nobody's going. Nobody's getting vanilla Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Like you're getting like the yeah. tonight dough or, or whatever flavor. Yeah. that just has like a bunch of everything in it. But the value is still not enough because then you run you, out of. You ice actually cream. go to the <laughs> you actually go to the store and you buy the giant lunch pail of vanilla ice cream. Like I, yeah, ones. I would. I would actually. Yeah, yeah, I do that a lot. Or I buy like the big, uh, just the, like big tubs of it from like the store brand or something from like Publix. <laughs> Or they have like a ShopRite or whatever the store is in California. The local store brand, you just get more value than like this like tiny little pint of ice cream that runs out in one sitting. 
Do you finish the entire one thing sitting. of vanilla ice cream? Right. Also, yeah, I would do that in one sitting, by the way. Oh, <laughs> like you talking about those big gallons? Do you actually finish it? Oh, I could oh I could knock that out in like three or four tries if I wanted. Interesting. <laughs> You're talking to a former fat man here. I mean <laughs> I could do it if I wanted. Former fat man. What's the did you ever get past like two fifty? Uh I was two two thirty five, two forty at one point. Okay. I think I'm 190 now. Yeah, but um, I do agree with Tyler's original point. I I don't like birthday cakes. I Ooh. if I have to choose like a cake, like a Texas sheet cake is probably my favorite option because it's thinner. Like the issue with me for cake is is the ratio of cake to frosting is just always way off, mm-hmm. and sometimes cake can be super dry. So I'm not a big fan of birthday cake. There's this one cake called the Russian honey cake that has like crumbs around it and then it's like infused with honey it's actually really good um i'm pretty standard i can just go for like a normal chocolate cookies and cream not bad um not a big fan of like birthday cake in general though kind of plain yeah cheesecake is the way to go it's just so much better there we go that's the q a I never thought we would be talking about the value of Ben and Jerry's ice cream on our show, but uh, look, it, it's like out. it's like Tom Telesco, right? If you if you have the value of those later round picks, you you know you don't want to be forced <laughs> to spend them uh, on Xander Horvath potentially if he was leveraged into that. But um, <laughs> you know you just get better value in the store, better bang for your buck. Inflation, I don't know. Inflation is pretty crazy right now, I guess, but I'm still not going to buy like just the store value jug of vanilla ice cream. <laughs> I mean, look, it gets the job done. There you go. Not when the girl craves chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Like chocolate. Well, I'm living by myself right now, so that's not a concern. Just you eating a sad bowl of <laughs> yeah. vanilla ice cream. Yep. <laughs> or a whole pizza by myself. Could do that too. Oh, yeah. Always. Always. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for our Q&A today, guys. Uh, We will be going live tomorrow morning for our regular Sunday episode, so stay tuned for that one. Um, If you are interested in joining our YouTube membership program, our Patreon page, the links to those are uh, in the description, so please go check that out. Um, Daniel Ortiz, I guess, thanks for the compliment. Oh, that needs to be our header. It's like one of the, it's like one of the, it's like one of those like uh, movie reviews where here's what the critics are saying, and it's like this movie stunk when I first watched it. Terrible. Oh we're like a cult classic now. Like we're kind yeah. of a bad movie, but like over time, you really like it. We're kind of like The Room. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what we are. There you go. I guess that is just. Oh man, what what a way to end the to end the Q and A today. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully everybody has a, a good. About ben and Jerry's ice cream. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hopefully everyone has a good Saturday. We'll see you guys tomorrow for our uh, last episode before training camp. So, uh, we'll talk to you then.